हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर दर प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन दर डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो I've always been a part of certain conversations where I say that our education system needs a redesign making it sound as colossal as launching the next revolutionary operating system we as humans have gone out on our own and evolved and changed but our education system has remained static throughout these years our education system is made to seem like a process born out of rules and regulations whereas in today's world our education is something that has to be born out of the creative thinking process even with the changes that are to occur in the future the creative thinking process is also not the only answer however it is now important to look at education from different sets of lenses and that's why in this episode we discuss education innovation and technology and who better than rajendran dandapani director of engineering zoho corporation and president zoho schools of learning rajendran shares his views on education technology building a company and much more he has been a tedx speaker a contra academician and a technology evangelist on our journey of discovering the aura of designing in a different domain we talk about edifying technology with him hi rajendran welcome to avantika designing series podcast show it's a honor and pleasure to host you on our show today thank you feels good super so rajendran um, you know starting with our ice breaker i believe some stories don't have a clear beginning middle and end and life is about not knowing having to change uh, taking a moment and making the best of it without knowing what's going to happen next how has been your response to the new normal around you since last few weeks oh this is going on for months now so i would actually first uh, have to confess that um, there were so many life skills that i didn't know i didn't know only when the house help is gone only when uh, you have to chip in and uh, play your role as a member of the family and not just some breadwinner who goes out to office and vanishes for the day and comes back just for dinner only then you start realizing that there is so much that you have to do that you don't know how to do i didn't know how to make tea i learned it i am am i ashamed am i uh, happy that i learned this little life skill of course i am i got my work schedules in order i was able to connect with a lot of people around the world who work in my company in the same way that i was connecting with my teammates you see this digital connection overcomes the 
distance of geography. So I was actually looking forward to this new world where um, somebody who lives close to you is going to be a closer teammate and somebody you don't see every day is slowly going to vanish into the background. We had all these tools all this time. Video conferencing has been around for 30 years now. But only now when it has become a necessity and uh, as the only source of contact, you realize that the number of people you can be in touch with on a day-to-day -day manner, the, the amount of stuff you can learn from people, it doesn't need to be limited by geography. And for a very long time, our CEO, Sridhar Vembo himself, uh, he fashioned the company around two orthogonal ideas. He said an office should be a place to collaborate, but it should also allow for contemplation, a place where you can call your own, you can meditate deeply on a large problem and uh, undistracted, unaffected by external influences. For the first time, probably in all my life, I was actually able to do that division between contemplation and collaboration. There was this me time, my time, and there was this team interaction time where I could go on calls, video calls, chats, and so on. And to actually answer that question where you asked me about how is this new normal, for the first time I'm realizing that there are things that we don't have answers for. And that is when humility hits you. We think we are overcoming everything and technology is an answer and uh, uh, it's just a matter of time before we are in uh, complete control of this too. And once in a while it hits you and this is one such occasion. You are not in complete control of the situation you are in. It brings out the worst in some people. It brings out the best in some people. It actually exposes the personality of people. And that's been a great learning experience for me. Well, that's exciting. In fact, while you were sharing this, even I was thinking about things that I didn't know earlier and I, start, and, and, and I learned it in the last uh, couple of weeks or months, as you rightly said. In fact, Rajendran, in a career, it's not how long it is, but how good it is. And, and, and that's something that matters. You know, you dropped out of IIT Madras, worked with so many exciting companies, and now president of Zoho Schools. Can you take us through all these years in your life and share with us how did all of these things actually happen? Okay, so some stories are told so that um, you learn something from it and you emulate it. There are other kinds of stories that are told which are more like cautionary tales, like um, the stories that moms tell daughters, which kind of guy not to look at or the stories that dads tell their sons about who not to idolize. So my story is more the horror kind because when I started off as a school kid, I was top notch. I was the top ranker in my school. I used to participate in all sorts of extracurricular activities and uh, I was the uh, school pupil leader. I was the uh, topper in um, two subjects in my class 10 and class 12 across the nation. And top of the world was the feeling I, I always kept getting. I used to beat all my competition hollow. And then I appeared for the JEE, the Joint Entrance Examination, and uh, got through with a high rank. 
and uh, took computer science as an option, first option, but I didn't get it because of my rank. So I opted for electronics in Madras IIT. Till then, I had not known what defeat meant, what failure meant, not failed a single course, single class, never been second rank in any of the monthly tests or uh, semester tests or annual tests. And I have been the envy of family members and uh, um, friends and I was being pointed at as the person to emulate and follow by all the other parents in my school. That's where my dad was. That's where my mom was. That's where I was. And then I entered IIT. And there, it's easy to, in retrospect, say that I was distracted. I, I saw something else that uh, caught my passion. Uh, so, but all that is just icing on the cake just misleading sentences and wordplay. The truth is I screwed up. The word that you used, you said I dropped out of IIT Madras. That's actually uh, uh, a, what do you call, uh, euphemism because Bill Gates dropped out. He chose not to continue college because he had something more interesting to do with Microsoft. I was kicked out. I simply didn't have the grades and the grade point average and the number of credits that I must have had by the end of the sixth semester that they sent a warning to my dad, a letter, direct letter to my dad in his home hometown. And uh, he opened that letter and that was the first intimation that anything was going wrong at all. He had a stroke. From that moment till he passed away a couple of years ago, the 25, 30 years, he lived with the impact of a stroke, a clot in his brain. So it was like from the uh, from cloud nine to rock bottom in a matter of a couple of months. And uh, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. Yes, the reason this was happening was I had gotten interested in computing, programming the computer. There was a beautiful Siemens uh, powered Fortran processor uh, in our computer center and I started, uh, I was enamored by it, the power of a computer, the power of um, writing code that could work magic on a screen. I got sucked into it. But it's easy to, again, in retrospect, say I got into computer science. Had I gotten into computer science as an engineering degree itself, I might have been different and all that because I wouldn't know. Probably I would have become a, an electronics hacker and still dropped out. So I am not here offering any excuses. I respect the teachers who showed me tough love. I look back and think that IIT retained its so-called hallowed um, reputation by kicking me out. It's good that they did it. It's good that they showed me um, tough love and told me that I have to pull up my socks. And that I did. I met the love of my life at IIT. I wouldn't have met her had I not dropped out. That's an interesting uh, twist in the story. I met my love and uh, I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot about grounding myself with reality all the time, walking the middle path, taking none of the extremes. And slowly, very slowly, I dug my, clawed my way back in. I learned about how to interact with people. I learned that's probably the most important skill. Working with people was the most important skill. Um, I learned a lot in programming. I actually 
was employee number seven at uh, Zoho Corporation. And my resume didn't carry a degree certificate or wasn't some um, credentials that I have uh, acquired at college. It was a website that I had designed for the company. Out of my own interest, I designed a website. I designed the logo. I approached the CEO and uh, he was kind enough to give me an audience at that time. And uh, he saw something in me, probably something that I myself didn't see in me at that time. And I'm eternally thankful for that beautiful break that he gave me. And then since then, I have been uh, uh, a technologist all my life, working with a very large uh, tech team and a design team. And when the iPhone was launched, um, I was uh, naturally uh, I gravitated towards the uh, mobile device and I now manage a very large mobile team in Zoho Corporation. And around 2004-2005, uh, Zoho Schools was born. It's basically a meaningful alternative to conventional college education because we saw that more and more colleges were churning out graduates who were degree holders, who were not real engineers who weren't able to hit the ground running and uh, deliver good quality software because what they were taught at college and what is actually expected in a company, in a high-tech organization like ours, is quite different. And instead of just lamenting about this um, academy industry gap, uh, we thought we can be the change that we are clamoring for. So we just got some uh, senior uh, employees who wanted to give something back to the society. We got them together. We went to a nearby school, recruited some students. They started a, a beautiful journey. And 18 months later, kids who hadn't touched a computer before, 18 months later, they were able to actually be productive members of our organization. So that uh, brainchild, I was actually... Uh, I, I am happy that I was part of uh, this Zoho Schools initiative by Zoho. It's 15 years old now. In fact, uh, an interesting twist here is my own son, who is now 21 years old, joined Zoho Schools. After finishing uh, a homeschooling adventure with me, he joined Zoho Schools and he is now a colleague working directly under the CEO. So if you actually look at it, it's... Uh, almost like the classic uh, hero's journey. Um, there is a call to adventure. There is a mentor I meet. There are trials. There are mistakes I make. So many mistakes that I make. There is growth. There are new skills that I learn. There is almost uh, a death and a rebirth, a moment where something stopped and something else started. There was a revelation. I finally changed. And uh, I am continuing to atone for the mistakes I made. And uh, I am now a new person. So it's the humble, classic, um, quintessential hero's journey is how I would put it. While you in a very humble way address it as a hero's journey, I think for a lot of people uh, like me, for, for a lot of young aspiring engineers or, or, or students who are going through their education, uh, they would call it a superhero and not a hero for sure. So one of the things that I also pick up, Rajendran, from um, you know your journey, 
you your profile says that you are a contra academician at heart what does it mean and can you also share about homeschooling your son that 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 you just spoke about i think it's a it's a very brave call um i am a father to 8 year old and uh, this was a question that had hit me as well uh, while uh, deciding whether my son should go to the school or not having understood that um, uh, you know a lot of conventional education is killing the creative juices in a child how how did all of this happen so what's contra academician and and uh, could you take us through uh, you know your journey of homeschooling so um, upfront i need to tell you that um, it is easy to look at somebody's life and uh, follow the arc and uh, fall for the myth that it is all scripted and well planned that's never the story things happen and then things happen as a secondary effect and then there are unexpected uncontrollable uh, events that happen and there is this reaction and eventually when you look back things seem to fall in place so that is just uh, one uh, uh, case my case is where these things fell in place so with that uh, disclaimer let me just get started with uh, what i mean by contra academician so an academician of course i am an academician because i have been interested in teaching all through my life i have been teaching uh, my colleagues i have been training at uh, a, a weekend uh, organization i've been giving guest lectures and when my son was reaching an age where i could supplement the teaching that was happening at school i became a teacher at home also and that was when i started realizing that uh, there is this rat race it used to be there even when i was at school and uh, now i was seeing it has only worsened there is this um, unstoppable urge to memorize everything there is this automatic uh, cycle of um slowly picking things up and uh, increasing the heat until the moment of the exam and during the exam vomit whatever you have memorized and automatically forget exponentially forget all that you learned whatever skills you gained whatever things you memorized very few days or weeks after the exam it it's it's become almost comical almost laughable though it is an irony that people laugh at it rather than regret that it is happening the other thing i started observing was things were getting unnecessarily compartmentalized the history teacher wasn't sharing information with the chemistry teacher in fact chemistry and physics had so much in common conceptually but at class they were being taught by two different people who never even met eyes that was the feeling i started getting i researched the books i researched how they were being taught in fact i put him in a, a zarahat k school only and even there i was able to uh, get that bad smell of uh, compartmentalization and rat race and memorization and worst of all when i wanted to teach him stuff i wanted to tell him hey there are this uh, uh these computers and you need to know how to work magic with them it's going to be crucially important that you are a power user and you are able to work as a developer of software and 
even irrespective of whatever domain you get into learning how to program a computer learning how to massage data and derive meaningful insights out of it are going to be important in this uh, modern era and when that started happening and when i started realizing he didn't have the time for it because of all his exam routines and memorization uh, uh, jokes i realized it was time to pull him out of school i had a heart to heart talk with him and my wife who was a pillar of support even though she has lived through watching me drop out of uh, iit and uh, trying to help me out of it and uh, even though she we don't have a graduate at uh, a male graduate she is a double graduate she is an ms and uh, after an msc she did an ms at iit and that's where i met her but i am not a graduate and my son isn't a graduate and uh, i have to appreciate her for going out on a limb and saying yes i am with you on this journey go ahead let's do this experiment it was an experiment even today uh, the experiment doesn't ended it's 22 years now and uh, i have been homeschooling him for 7 years the past 6 uh, 7 uh, years i have been working with him and uh, actually it's not the national institute for open schooling or uh, some open curriculum that i followed i didn't write the exams either the boy didn't write the public exams or get any degree certificates and so on it was unschooling of the true raw kind the closest i can recommend if you are interested in, in googling about it is uh, this blog by leo babauta leo babauta has written a blog he is the owner of the zen habits blog and in that he talks about unschoolery and that's probably one of those uh, epochal moments where my mind turned i said if this guy could do it and he could pull it off with five of his kids i think i can do it with one and the company was helpful it allowed me to approach uh, homeschooling in a flexible manner where i could go to work early my wife also works in the same company and i could go to work early and she could come in late and i could leave early i could have a an afternoon break where i could spend a couple of hours with my son i worked very close to where i lived and that also helped because i was able to uh, expose my son who was missing out on the conventional social interaction with students of his own age i was able to get him to my office and uh, mingle with the children there and uh, the uh, employees children and zoho schools was also a beautiful benefit for him because he was able to come and socialize with students there so uh, looking back it's a beautiful experiment i conducted and uh, it's still ongoing and i think uh, he is now a well rounded individual and uh, a person with many more options at hand that is what i think all education should aim for education is unfortunately more of a narrowing kind oh when you are in class 8 you could have become anybody when you are in class 12 you have already decided biology is in or in or out and when you are in uh, your degree course you are already deciding whether mechanical engineering is out whether uh, uh, pursuit in uh, humanities is out and so on and eventually you become a narrower and narrower expert i think on the contrary which is why i chose contra academician i think on the contrary education is about opening the mind 
and uh, moving to better better places of vantage so you are at a position where there are two things you could do when you gain education of the true kind you now have four things you could do and then you gain something more you have 10 things that you could do and that is the pursuit of your passion you find out what your calling is what your purpose in life is and that's when you hit flow education the all the aim that education should aim for is somehow connecting a student to his true abiding passion help him or her find their purpose in life and encourage them to enjoy moments of flow so that is uh, how i am redefining uh, all education and i'm encouraging people to take it up a small note of warning before i finish though um, if you are trying to homeschool a child forget about hobbies forget about weekends and uh, vacations where you have your own plans while your child is at home or at school your child becomes a young adult and you have to plan for him or her too but in my case teaching was my hobby reading books allowed with him and solving problems in mathematics and programming with him was a hobby for me i was there available all the time and i enjoyed every moment of it so if you can live up to that expectation that the child is going to have for you i think um you don't need a school anymore in fact uh, one of the offshoots of this pandemic people are really considering and taking a hard long look at why an academic institution should be interested with a child particularly at uh, the level of higher education is it really worth it is that academic credential that i get after 4 years in the college really worth it when at the palm of my hand in my bedroom i can actually consume everything i want on the internet that question has started coming up and for every bad thing there is one little silver lining one silver lining of this pandemic is that people are reconsidering and reevaluating the true merits of education and i'm happy about it hey did you know zoho is experimenting with 10 villages in tamil nadu where 20 engineers in each village will collaborate and build software for the world the plan is to make engineers work in places closer to their hometowns in fact you know the way we develop test and deploy software has been advancing in leaps and bounds over the last 10 years or so so the way we deliver deliver a code in modern day software development is more or less the same across most places what is your development process so from from your journey from from your personal journey from schooling now we are moving into your personal uh, work system so um much of what i do is uh, actually based on how zoho as a company operates so we have been uh, developers of software for the past uh, 23 years and i remember how this uh, started 
uh, our CEO was in the US and he was working for Qualcomm and his brother was visiting him and uh, they both had gone to a mall for purchasing some dresses for the next week. And while buying a t-shirt at a dress shop in a mall, he saw um, the label in the back, which talked about uh, made in China, made in China, and then there was uh, made in Thailand, and then there was made in Vietnam, and uh, there was made in Mexico, and there was even a made in Pakistan. And there was not a single t-shirt made in India. It kind of rankled him. And uh, he was a electronic software engineer at that time in Qualcomm. And when you have a hammer in your hand, they say probably that all problems look like nails. And that's what Sridhar Vembu and Kumar Vembu, the two brothers who founded uh, AdventNet, which later became Zoho Corporation, they felt we should do something that we can be proud. We can call it made in India and we can make it for the world. That's how it started. So from that uh, fateful evening 23 years ago till today, we have been very careful about deciding what to leave at the table, what we will not pick even though it is lucrative. So we said we will not do turnkey projects for companies. We could have easily done that, the body shopping way, or the turnkey projects way, we could have done that. India's IT boom actually rode that way. So we decided that we want to put our name, we want to create IP out of India, make in India long before make in India became a metal lion that we see today with the government uh, uh, pushing it hard. So when that happened, thankfully, two beautiful waves also happened in the around the world. The first one was the internet was really becoming uh, more than just an academic. Uh, 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 first, it was a military establishment. Then it became an academic uh, internet for uh, colleges and universities. And finally, it was actually um, making that leap from academic to real commercial internet. The secure internet was being just born. Uh, e-commerce was uh, taking off and that was an important wave we rode because internet as a medium for delivering software, SaaS as we now call it, has its seeds sowed then. The second wave that actually happened was the prevalence of Linux as an operating system and Java as a programming language that you could use to build software that will run on any operating system. So we were able to actually frog jump over the huge investments typically needed if you're going to go the licensed software way. Instead of licensing software for databases from uh, an Oracle and licensing software for software development or operating systems from Microsoft and MS Office and so on, we were able to actually use a shoestring budget and actually rocket ourselves into developing software for consumption around the world. And uh, software as a service was born. Continuous development and deployment started happening because when you have software up there in the cloud, overnight I can launch my next version of the software. Windows 95, we got Windows 98 three years later. 
that's not the case with software that we build today it's a trickle a constant trickle things that keep continuously changing in fact we are even able to do ab testing with software we deploy software for different domains and different locations and different sects of people based on what their uh, particular demographic or particular uh, usage policies are the beautiful thing that actually gave us uh, an unassailable lead in building software is unlike a company like facebook where uh, you can't be seen using facebook all the time and you can't claim i am a facebook employee you have to do real work here at zoho we build software to empower organizations to run their business so from creating documents to making presentations to managing projects to working with customer relations and um, all email and uh, video conferencing every one of these activities we have a software for it from zoho and we started eating our own dog food months before any zoho product hits the outside world we would have actually tested it and tested it and tested it and bashed it around and criticized it internally a thousand times so that was something that we could do not all companies can claim to be able to do that because the ceo was in the us and uh, until very recently he was in the us all the time and the company was in india we were able to bring that beautiful marriage between uh, laid back heritage focused an indian mentality a hard working ethic from india 9000 employees from india to a silicon valley entrepreneurial um, dna of a person who is in the ground who is interacting with people day in and day out who is able to feel the pulse of what's coming next and a future uh, outlook of how things would be so this merger between a person in the us um, with a with an ear to the ground and uh, with a large team working 12 hours uh, um, with a time zone shift working in india we were able to pull off that beautiful merger between these two and that really worked for us well and today when you look at uh, how we build our products we keep these three words um, up front in fact uh, some of us have even printed out some beautiful slides and stuck it to our uh, cubicles okay cubicles used to be there now we are at home so we call it uh, ice ice so what i mean by ice is whenever anybody does any software in our uh, company any module any line of code any anything that at all we keep these three words in mind integration how well is the software that we are building going to play with the rest of the zoho ecosystem there are 49 different products in zoho if you are launching the 50th product it has to talk the same language it has to share the same credentials it has to access similar data it has to provide a unified front to the customer that's been an important uh, uh, aspect to keep in mind the second is customization ice the customization aspect is we have come to realize that people don't want the same thing every customer every company every employee in every company wants something different in fact 
they have stopped believing that they can get what they want so they now have started asking for the power to modify our software the way they want it so that last bit of customization it's like you're sitting in a chair and you have to adjust the angle and adjust the height and adjust the backrest to your exact setting in fact if somebody has moved the chair around and swapped it with some other, some other somebody else's chair that moment you sit on it you will notice three things that are different and complain about it so this customization so anything that we build we keep customization as an important point in mind can a person customize it to suit their need and finally the third which is extension we don't want to be the software last stop everything you need you won't need anything more than this we have stopped selling that as snake oil we have decided that we will build a platform for you we will build as much that 90% of the time 90% of the people want the remaining 10% that last mile we will empower you to build on top of it we are providing you a platform that you can't just customize you can actually extend on top so integration customization and extension these three words keep running around in our minds when we build software is it integrable is it customizable can people extend it wow super i think uh, i love the clarity in 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 which uh, you spoke about about the entire uh, development process in fact uh, rajendran there's so much to talk about zoho one of the most spoken thing about it is its culture uh, the views on bootstrapping building a profitable sustainable company making in india can you tell us about the dna of zoho since you've been a part of it right since the start uh, and you've seen the company grow over a period of time can you can you highlight us on the dna uh, part of of zoho so uh, before i uh, get into that uh, you said i have seen the company grow interestingly i have seen the company grow but it's like lord krishna krishna most of the pictures that you see is of a mischievous young 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 child who seems to be growing all the time but continues to retain that mischievousness that's what i see when i look at zoho because in spite of the fact that we have grown to so many locations around the world we have grown to so many offices around uh, the country we have grown from one product to 50 products there are a few things that haven't changed when all around you things are changing there are a few things that haven't changed and that's what sets us apart so i would like to just uh, um quickly reel off a few that come to mind the first abiding aspect of zoho is the freedom it provides its employees at at every level of the hierarchy there are only four or five levels anyway but at every level there is a, a freedom a sense of agency you take the call you decide you get the credit or the blame but you just pat your shoulder or kick your butt and move on the ability to take those calls the ability to um, rather ask for forgiveness than wait for permission that's uh, an aspect that i have seen from day 
way back in April 1998 to today in August 2020, I see that has not changed much. I have read stories of so many companies, how they were a startup and how they have now become a behemoth and how um, they are regretting what they lost. I'm so happy that wasn't lost here. The second uh, aspect as or DNA, if you want to call it, is the, the so-called uh, technology stack. And we are so happy and proud that we are in complete control of the technology stack. We didn't acquire any company. We don't run our software on a Azure or an AWS. We run it on our own data centers. Our own operating system, business operating system runs on our own SaaS framework and every product is natively deeply integrated into it. And what monitors the data centers? Software that we wrote monitors the applications running on the data centers because we have a wing called Manage Engine. Um, most of the people who hear about Zoho do not hear about Manage Engine because Manage Engine is Zoho for IT departments. A single one-stop shop for all the needs for managing your IT assets and monitoring uptime. So we have software that takes care of that. We have never been enamored by large, uh, beautiful glass and steel buildings in uh, high-tech uh, environments in the middle of Silicon Valley or uh, in Bangalore, the Silicon Valley of India. We don't have an office in Bangalore. We don't intend to have it. Because like our CEO says, um, we are not interested in fattening the purse of the landlord. We don't want to pay exorbitant rent. We would rather live in a, a outskirts of a, a location, have good internet connection, have reasonable rents to pay and transfer all the benefits that we get because of that in the terms of good food at the cafeteria, um, good play areas for the employees or even meaningful discounts to our customers. So we would rather see that happen. Never have we actually sold customer data or shared it with third parties. Once upon a time when every company around us was actually um, saving data and uh, using it, there used to be this thing about uh, if a product is free, uh, beware, you are the product, right? How Facebook and other companies were selling the data and misusing it. Once upon a time, it was uh, a necessary evil. Then it became an irritation. And now today, people are being sued for misuse of such data. And we, during these three transformations, we were actually thanking ourselves for the decision we took decades ago that we will not touch customer data. In fact, one of the refrains of some of our product managers inside our company is how strictly we do not share customer data even between products. So if there is a CRM solution and a campaign management tool would love to have the customer data so that from within Zoho, another product can actually be um, cross-sold. We are actually preventing even that from happening unless the user authorizes it by opting in. Because we say data will be in silos until permission is given by the user. 
even if the user is really going to be benefiting from it, we think twice about it. We are fiercely private. We never took external money. Other people's money is OPM, my boss calls it. And uh, we were approached by a couple of companies for acquisition deals and we never uh, really entertained those. We are here to make an impact. We want to be made in India, made for the world. And deep down, the reason that it, uh, we all get ourselves to office on a Monday morning is we know that every little bit that we do, we are going to make hundreds of startups make their products better because we are taking the organizational, logistical, administrative headache. A startup in its uh, most fundamental form is out there to make a dent in the universe. That's how Steve Jobs put it. Make a dent in the universe. If you want to make a dent in the universe, you should not be worrying about whether you have uh, filed taxes or whether a particular project is late or not or whether a particular document is in the right format. We try to take all that headache off you. That's the call to action. That's the elevator pitch of what Zoho is. And we are very happy to be fiercely private and we, we are protecting customer data and we will have vertical self-dependence. We are dependent, self-reliant on our own tools. If we want to build a new product, we are able to do that fast. Individual agency, as I called it. And Finally, oh, if you want to talk about uh, DNA, one thing that uh, strikes me uh, just when you mention the word DNA is how each team in the organization is different. It's not a real uh, self-similar large monolith. Uh, in fact, monoliths are probably the most susceptible to external attacks because you find one weakness and you can get in and destroy the whole structure like a virus infecting you. In our company, each team is different. Even though they all, like, like India with all its various uh, languages that they speak and the cultures that they live by, here, each team is different. Each team focuses on its strengths. We all have weaknesses. But if you can work with other teams where their strengths can actually kind of uh, soften up your weaknesses and make 2 plus 2, 5, that's a great answer that we can look for. We, do, we cannot be best at everything. We realize that. So can you be best at one thing and use the services of other teams within the company to feed off them, help them feed off you? That kind of orchestration is something that is actually uh, emergent. It is not something that was dictated by the CEO and made, made us all do that. But he created the environment for it. And automatically, there was this emergent behavior that uh, things fell in place. And what you see is Zoho. Wow, super. In fact, while you were expressing that how Zoho is helping startups with, with a lot of their tasks, on the other hand, in the world of SaaS-based companies, there's a slang about Zoho Mafia. I believe it's inspiring team members to pursue their passion. And Zoho hasn't only created many jobs directly, but by the virtue of inspiring so many entrepreneurs, has indirectly created more jobs. How, how do you inspire people at Zoho to start up their own ventures? 
Okay, so this word Zoho Mafia is, uh, I think, uh, reminiscent of PayPal Mafia because it's a uh, basically a group of uh, formal uh, PayPal employees. They just uh, quit the company and created other companies like LinkedIn and uh, YouTube and Yammer and so on. And uh, probably that's the reference here. So the way we look at it is, I think it stems from the freedom. At its core, we have been encouraging freedom. In fact, if you are a senior person in Zoho, you wouldn't only know design, you would know some technology, you would know how to run campaigns, you would know sales, you would know some back-end uh, scaling concepts, you would know how to work with customer data, you would, you, you're a merchant, you're not a particular vertical role player, you actually become a merchant, they, the, the way they call the uh, small uh, shops, the banias they call it, where the same person sells, the same person procures, the same person puts up a beautiful uh, offer, the same person does customer relationships. That's what we are. We are able to empower agency in our senior managers. And along the way, sometimes what happens is it's not about just the money because beyond a particular point, what made, motivates a particular person is whether the person is given enough autonomy, whether there is a sense of purpose, whether there is, uh, uh, I, I, would, I would actually put it as uh, whether they are able to align themselves with the morals and ethics and the long-term dreams that the company has. So Sridhar, for example, has gone public the past uh, couple of weeks. You must have uh, seen him talk about it. He has gone public about how Atmanirbhar Bharat is an important uh, clarion call by the Prime Minister. And we need to do something here, sitting here in India. Uh, rural upliftment. SaaS is not about living in uh, ivory towers in some skyscrapers in some large cities like San Francisco. You can actually go back and uplift the rural uh, situation because there is so much uh, talent out there. With Zoho schools, that's another great outreach that he has done where we give 12th standard students, class 12 students, particularly people who haven't had an amazing stellar academic career who can't afford engineering or medical or any of those automatic choices, we give them a chance to shine. We give them literally a shortcut. In 18 months, we make them a software engineer. We have been doing that for 15 years. So these are all things that go beyond money. So if you are in a company like ours, if you actually learn all these skills, and along the way, there is a misalignment with some of these larger goals and the larger philosophies, you strike off on your own. And we are happy to see so many little companies that have come up in Chennai. Chennai is supposed to be the SaaS capital of India today. There is a beautiful uh, um, uh, ecosystem that has come out. Each company supporting the other. Some have even become investors and VCs in those companies. We are happy to see a thousand flowers bloom. The most important reason why this continues to happen is we encourage entrepreneurship. We know that uh, we are running the risk of another person wanting to strike off on their own, but 
for every single company that uh, is spun out like that and uh, uh, we see uh, a zoho mafia person coming out there are probably 10 such beautiful teams inside the organization which have benefited from this exposure the vertical exposure and the horizontal exposure and the uh, freedom that we have given them so this will continue to happen i am sure even amazon is happy because there are thousands of merchants who are now benefiting because they are from amazon like the app store became a great uh, value add to what apple itself was able to create because the iphone was an amazing device already but when the app store came and third parties could actually create apps and run it on the iphone both of them benefited third parties benefited the apple company benefited and the end user the customer the king of it all benefited so that is how i see it i am happy that there is this zoho mafia though it is a misnomer and uh, no one company can do it all so welcome to the club is how i see it this will continue to happen do you know zoho has a social mission yes the company grows food on its farm and serves its employees in chennai they also train young graduates from smaller towns to make them employable oh interesting so rajendra moving from your journey to uh, zoho uh, to the world of technology so while developing products how do you make the connection between the world of design and the research and development at zoho so um, we don't actually try to distinguish uh, design and uh, technology and there is this intermediate called user experience i actually like the way you call yourself designering there is one single abiding concept which is the customer needs to be given the smoothest possible pathway forward uh, with very little confusion and distraction should be warned about uh, automatic pitfalls and uh, should not be cheated and once in a while should be delighted so these are the uh, very few beautiful things that we should hold and just like uh, there is uh, an army there will be the horse riders there will be these archers there will be these cannon uh, uh, manning people and there will be these elephant riders each of them approaches the war using the tool that they have but each of their goals is the same to win over the competition to win uh, the defeat the enemy and so on that is how we look at uh, our own approach to design and technology and r&d so everything that we do there are internal uh, reviews there are internal uh, stand up meetings where right from prototyping and uh, the uh, so called uh, whiteboard where we have post it notes and we follow the uh, agile approach of actually coming up with the flow the workflow that's needed all the way down to an internal beta and external beta and finally launching the product and observing feedback that build learn loop 
continues in our company too. So that's uh, the melding. The, I, I remember so many people in my team who actually started off as engineers who got uh, so interested in design in uh, actually um, researching information architecture that they actually uh, applied for a team change a role change and moved and those people are valued more in the design team that they have gotten into because they come with additional understanding of the world of technology i i am a staunch believer i think steve jobs said it he said uh, technology married with uh, married with arts married with liberal arts married with the humanities that yields us the result he said that makes our hearts sing so i hold that very dear so every technologist should know enough of design to actually decide whether something that he is proposing will actually appeal to a user or not and similarly every designer should also know whether something that they are proposing is feasible technology wise or not if these two operate in silos i don't think uh, you actually have a vibrant work culture in your environment in fact uh, i think steve jobs said something else during the launch of the macintosh he said about how uh, all the people working in his team were poets and artists and musicians and historians and zoologists not developers not programmers he said they are musicians poets artists zoologists historians they also happen to be the best computer scientists in the world it's incidental he said if it hadn't been computer science these people would have been doing amazing things in other fields so that is how we approach uh, team composition and uh, the beautiful merger between design and technology yeah so while we are talking about this merger one of the questions that i have is how engineers and designers can cope up with the sheer speed of innovation in technology to keep themselves up to date uh, with 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 the happenings around so um, to each his or her own technique but i would actually try to give whatever i observe in my company what i try to profess within my own team one of the first things is simplicity will always be in fashion be it technology be it design be it user experience simplicity in fact in this more and more confusing wuka they call it wuka world simplicity is a rarity so anything that's a rarity will be in demand and i think when you have two options if you choose the simpler option you're actually doing the right thing so simplicity whenever you can wherever you can there is a beautiful book i think uh, uh, the name of the book is uh, the laws of simplicity i'll try to get the author's name so the laws of simplicity they talk about how to actually say a thousand no's how to focus on what's the core deliverable that you're trying to do it's very very easy to particularly programmers do that often they say oh no that's also possible let me add this feature also and that is when the overall experience manager has to take the call 
how many things that you could have done that you choose not to do actually differentiates the good and the truly great. So aim for simplicity again and again. That is something that I have learned. Sometimes I have learned it the hard way um, in my life. The second thing I would like to uh, stress about, about keeping uh, in touch is um, have some slack time. Very often in our quest to um, try to pack our day with a lot of uh, meaningful activities, we somehow take away the joy of randomness, the joy of undecided adventure. So always in your day, in your week, every one of us should set apart some percentage of our time. The famous Google 20% came out of that. Can we have some percentage of our time allotted for nothing where we can do anything we want and probably something meaningful will come out of it? Probably nothing will come out of it except the experience of going through it. I don't know. I don't care. But you need to have undocumented, unallotted time every day. And that is going to shape how you're going to actually spend time in the future, what skills you learn, how you're going to iterate on it and so on. In fact, uh, there was this guy. Uh, he's actually a design agency CEO. His name is Stephen Sagmeister. And uh, even Daniel Pink talks about him in the book named Drive. And uh, Stephen Sagmeister, he said that uh, one fine morning I realized I wasn't creative anymore. I used to be amazingly creative. I won a lot of awards, but I was getting mediocre. And when I look back, I have been doing well. My calendar was packed. All the customers were coming back to me. They were all happy. Nobody was complaining. But deep inside me, there was this angst. There was this unfulfilled uh, uh, void that was coming up. And that is when he chose to take a year off. And he has been doing that. Instead of working hard for the next 40 years and then retiring and then living jobless for the next 15, 20 years and then dying, this man said, I will borrow time from my post-retirement zone and pepper them across my working time. So every seven years, this man takes a year break. If you visit his website somewhere during this break year, it will say, thank you for visiting Sagmeister Incorporated. We are on a one-year experiment to learn new things so that we can serve you better. I don't know if each of you can really afford to become a Sagmeister or whether your boss will allow it, but internalize the concept of having null time that you can spend meaningfully consistently throughout your life. And that combined with your quest for simplicity, whether you are a technologist or a designer, if you are questing for simplicity and always apportioning time for the unknown, every day of your life, I think you have it going well for you. Wow, that's such a noble way of thinking and living your life. Very, very, very interesting. So, uh, Rajendran, coming to my last question uh, on our show. At Avantika University, we are uh, taking the blended and liberal education approach, bridging the gap between 
you know what industry requires and 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 what we are teaching them what's your view on the concept of designering itself which is the amalgamation of design and engineering and do you think it is the need of the r so even at zoho schools where i teach i head zoho schools one of the things that i actively encourage uh, all my faculty colleagues to do is as often as possible jump over the wall in fact prove that there is no wall so there is a faculty member who is teaching java programming and along the way while talking about java there is uh, an order of uh, complexity and suddenly it becomes mathematical and when you're talking mathematical and exponential curves and logarithmic curves and suddenly it becomes artistic because when you graph a mathematical curve there is art involved there are so many artistic beauties that have come out simply because they were pursued mathematically and rigorously and finally we learn an interesting word and when we want to stress a little bit on the word we go to the etymology of the word the story behind the word at the end of an r class we don't know whether it is a java class or an etymology class in english or a design class or a mathematics class that's what i have been encouraging my faculty members to do because the moment education is over the so called in quotes education is over and you get into the uh, cauldron the boiling cauldron of real life you are not going to say that i am now doing mathematics don't ask me chemistry or i am now doing physics don't bother me with history the world is not going to wait for people like that so you need to be able to swap hats you need to be able to transcend these uh, silly uh, uh, divisions that teachers and professors for their own convenience have introduced we should be able to straddle those that is true learning so i am really impressed by the approach that you have been taking i would like to know a little more about uh, what you are doing and uh, i am actually envious of uh, the kind of students that you have because when you talk about design and engineering when you call it designering i think it's the need of the r because cross departmental or transcending domains is probably going to give us the solutions that we are looking for when you look at this vaccine hunt for example i'm sure there is a data scientist out there who is crunching all the data who is uh, probably uh, genome sequencing the virus who is uh, running a million protein simulations to find out what the answer is how can a biologist say i am a biologist i am a, a pathologist i can't do programming at least he should be able to she should be able to work with a programmer so if you know enough that's where the 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 t of uh, skill set development comes in become a generalist you need to be a generalist across a, a, a beautiful spectrum of domains but also become a specialist the t the vertical bar of the t where people come to you know enough to go to the right person which is the horizontal bar and know enough so that the right people come to you asking for expertise which is the vertical part of the bar and if you can manage that well i think uh, that's going to be amazing
we need people like you oh thank you so much for validating our thought thank you rajendran for joining us on avantika designering series it it, it was a pleasure uh, listening to you and how i wish uh, we could go on and on in terms of our conversation i'm sure that our listeners will have a lot of learning from this conversation and uh, yeah if if they have any questions i'm sure they can reach out to you via social media um, and and uh, take your inputs on their queries if any thank you so much for joining us on this thanks a lot all the best Hey there we hope you enjoyed our show do write to us on ads@avantika.edu.in we look forward to your opinions feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show do tune in our channel next week on wednesday for a new story on hub hopper or wherever you get your podcast from follow us on facebook instagram linkedin and twitter